a rare but deadly disease hidden in the air you breathe. And I'm in full-blown panic mode, but I'd worked my whole life to get my PGA Tour card, and now I've got to go see a hand surgeon. Nearly two-thirds of cases in the United States contracted in Arizona. And actually, if you wanted to draw a really fine point on this, 50% of all U.S. infections occur in Maricopa County. The damage, long-lasting. They will never recover. The scarring is permanent. 2021 off to a historic year for cases. So we're now actually ahead of the numbers year to date for 2021 than we were in the highest year on record for Arizona. You may be surprised by what you don't know about Valley Fever. You're listening to a KOLD News 13 original podcast, Danger in the Dust. Welcome back to Danger in the Dust. I'm Brooke Wagner. And I'm Erin Christensen. You know, we've talked to doctors and a veterinarian about their experience as physicians treating valley fever in both people and pets, but we kind of want to circle back to a topic we touched on in episode one, and that's people at risk for contracting valley fever. Now, one thought may be that athletes are more at risk because they're outdoors breathing in the air, in some cases more frequently than the general population. But that may not be the case. A few weeks ago, we talked to Charlie Belgian. He's a PGA golfer born and raised in Mesa. He told us via our virtual chat about his experience with a rare case of valley fever that left him wondering if he'd ever play golf again. I think it was like 2011, 2011, and I've always been healthy, maybe occasionally would get a cold, but, but nothing serious, never the flu, nothing like that. But I would be real healthy, and then all of a sudden, I would go from healthy, I'd wake up in the morning, and for about four days or five days, I couldn't leave bed. I had no energy, pure exhausted. I mean, I'd get up to go take a shower, and I'd have to go back to bed. So this went on. I, I wouldn't feel well for four or five days, and then I'd feel great for like two weeks. And then I wouldn't feel well for four or five days. So I said, you know what? I'm going to go get this checked out. So I went to urgent care. And uh, they, they did a scan of my lungs or whatever. And the doctor came in and said, uh, and at the time I smoked, and he said, I think you might have lung cancer. And I said, wow. So he sent me to a pulmonologist where they did a few more tests and it came back. I had a real high, I don't remember what they're called, a valley fever. So I knew nothing about it. I heard of dogs getting it. So uh, for a year, I took the fluconazole and which is just a, a strong antibiotic that they do. And uh, every three weeks, I had to go get my liver checked out and make sure all my liver functions and everything were good because I guess the fluconazole is, is real difficult on your liver. So for about a year, uh, I had no improvement. I was, I was taking this medicine. Maybe I was only getting tired for like a day or two before I'd get my energy back. And I was playing in a golf tournament one day and uh, I was telling these guys, they actually said, hey, you want to go get a beer afterwards? And I said, yeah, I said, I'm not drinking. I can't drink on this medication. And they said, well, what are you taking? And I told them, and he said, as a matter of fact, I had valley fever and uh, this guy didn't want to give up drinking. So he started doing a lot of research and he said, I take oil of oregano. And so I left the golf tournament. I went to the health store. I bought oil of oregano, uh, just droplets and put them like in a little shot, shot glass with water. And I did it for a week. And I went back the next week and I, to get all my blood and the valley fever was completely gone, just like that. 
And so I said, I just did all this for a year doing this, taking the test, taking this medicine, completely changed my lifestyle. And here I am, I take this oil of oregano for a week and I go in and I come out totally clean. So about three, four months goes, no, this is probably about four months goes by and I quit taking the oil of oregano. And then the next thing I know, I had the biggest tournament of my, my career at the time. And I, I developed this half golf ball size uh, lump right here. Well, it was a huge tournament. So I'd been practicing for about two weeks leading up to it and it didn't hurt. Nothing like that. And um, I played the golf tournament. I got my PGA Tour card. I drove back from Palm Springs. I said, I got to go see the doctor what this is. I got three weeks till my first, my first event on tour. And he went in, he stuck a, needle out of, stuck a needle in it and drained the most bizarre white and green fluid that you'd ever seen out of it. Sent it in, called me back the next day. And he said, Charlie, he goes, this valley fever has gone to your hand. He goes, you need, we're going to go this afternoon and see a hand surgeon. So I went into a hand surgeon that afternoon and I'm in full blown panic mode. I'd worked my whole life to get my PGA tour card. And now I've got to go see a hand surgeon. So I walk in and, and they do what they got to do. And he says, we, we got to operate. He said, the Valley fever has eaten 60% of your thumb tendon. And if we don't clear it up now, we're going to have to end up taking a tendon from your arm and stretching it down. And this is going to be months. So about 10 hours later, they put me to sleep and they went in and they cleared it out. And I mean, I still have the big scar. And uh, luckily enough, three weeks later, I was able to give it a go. It took me a little bit longer. But then, um, so everything was okay. And then about five months later, it came back. Uh, but when we went in to drain it to see if it was the same stuff, it wasn't. And since then, I take Valley, I take oil of oregano every day of my life religiously. And there's a, a, there's a million more benefits to it. Um, but it, it uh, and sometimes when I'm feeling a little run down or something like that, I will, you know, double my dose or triple my dose of oil of oregano. And I'm telling you the next day, I feel 100%. So whether that little valley oh. fever, whether the valley fever spore still just lives inside me a little bit, which I kind of think it does, um, because I notice when I don't take the oil of oregano, I will start to get a little bit tired after a week or two of not taking it. But uh, so I've made oil of oregano a a daily uh, a daily thing that I that I take, and I, yeah, it's it, it's so bizarre for sure. And and the fact that that fluconazole and that heavy medicine is what they recommended, and and the oil of oregano I found, and I've got about three or four. I actually had a, a woman text me last night and said, Charlie, she goes. She's a big mountain bike rider, jogger in the desert. And she said, I wasn't feeling good. And I remember because her and her, her husband and I were really good friends. They remembered when I went through this and, you know, she was telling me her symptoms. I said, go down to the health store, buy yourself some oil of oregano. Sure enough, she did. She took it for about three days, four days, and she has never felt better. Do you have any idea what it is about the oil of oregano? Well, oil of oregano is, is uh, it it kills funguses and viruses. So especially during this whole COVID, this COVID deal, I, I upped it or whatever. And I've probably taken 20 COVID tests for the tour and never, never failed one. Um, but I, you know, it's, it, it kills funguses and bacterias and, and viruses and, and it's worked. It's, it's worked. And just imagine if you hadn't been chatting with that guy who told you that tip. 
yeah, everything happens for a reason. And had that guy, you know, told me because I was still feeling all these symptoms just on a shorter time frame um, when I was taking that fluconazole as I, you know, as I was before. And then I, I literally one week, I took five droplets twice a day in a shot glass and drank it. And uh, one week later, I went back in and everything was gone. Charlie mentions oil of oregano, and that's the first we'd heard of it. So we should tell you that the statements made by Charlie concerning oil of oregano have not been evaluated by the FDA. Oil of oregano is not approved for the diagnosis, treatment, cure, or prevention of any disease. We also asked Dr. Galgiani about whether he'd heard about oil of oregano, and he said he doesn't have any information about the benefit of oil of oregano, but he did tell us he's treated many professional athletes. Is it a no-brainer? Is it just because they're outside, especially baseball and golf, uh, baseball players and golfers, or is there something else at play there? We actually we're really interested in that in uh university of arizona athletes uh scholarship athletes and a good friend of mine uh nicole stern who had trained in sports medicine and um uh was at the student health service um she had the hypothesis that athletes are so buff and in such top physical condition that they would never get valley fever uh you know they'd be resistant to the whole thing and so we did a very nice study that we published looking at scholarship athletes and compared them to non-scholarship athletes. And it turns out that scholarship athletes were four times more likely to get a diagnosis of valley fever than everyone else on campus. And the reason for that was not that they were outdoors. It was indoor activities and, and uh, athletic things as well as outdoor. The reason was they were tested five times more frequently because if they fell 5% off their, their um, uh, performance, they were in to Dr. Porter's office asking what's wrong. And he would, as part of his evaluation, look for valley fever. So the more you test, the more you find. And it was a really telling story, um, a nice study that Nicole did. But I think, you know, the question of indoor exposure, I mean, outdoor exposure, that the people who I see in my clinic are not overweighted for outdoor activities. Uh, I think living here is the risk factor because the spores blow around. They, they don't stay over the deserts. They're, they cross into city limits. So I think living here is the, is the risk. And uh, knowing about it is the best first step in protecting yourself. So when we are... Um... You know, I, I'm really hesitant now to exercise outdoors. I used to run all the time, hike all the time. Um, is there anything, it's not realistic necessarily to avoid being outdoors. So is there anything for people to do? Should we avoid being outside, say, on windy days? Does that make any bit of difference? Or wear a mask if we're running? Does that help at all? Well, so it's probably good advice to not um, breathe in a lot of dust. That's just as a general proposition. But, but in fact, we tell, I tell my patients, and, and generally the, the, the medical community thinks, if you get over valley fever, you're immune to ever getting it again. The problem would be, in some people, it comes back from the original infection. So I think you could just do anything you want. Um, and in fact, people who have problems with valley fever, you're probably better off living where it's known 
so that the doctors you you see have some familiarity with it um, in, in the specialists. But I think I think you don't have to wear a mask if you've had valley fever. And it's not at all clear to me. I mean, this is a, a active discussion. We certainly have certainly talk about masks a lot in the last 18 months. Um, for valley fever, um, it's not communicable. So it's not a risk from people around you. And you're no, you're no risk to people around you. Um, so you would be talking about wearing a mask 24-7. And it's not just a surgical mask, which is fairly porous. We're talking about all the, you know, the, the ugly ones and the heavy ones uh, that would be needed to really be filtration. And I, I just don't think that's the risk benefit for that is probably not in the favor of doing it. I see. Next time on Danger in the Dust, Dr. Galgiani has so much more to offer when it comes to information about testing for valley fever. How does it work? Why does it take so long? Join us next time on Danger in the Dust, a KOLD News 13 original podcast.